Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's up, everybody? May 30th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast right here on the Fightful.com radio network. Yours truly, Joe Ferrari. You can find me online at Showdown Joe. Joined, as always, every Tuesday, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time by Sean Ross Sapp. Follow him online at Sean Ross Sapp. Sean, what's going on, brother? Hoping my Skype stays pieced together with duct tape long enough to get us through this podcast. That would not surprise me. Now, if your Skype is having issues, I can, uh, for all those uh, viewers in the Toronto region or greater Toronto region, we've been going through some vicious hailstorms, thunderstorms up until about three minutes before you and I went on air. I was uh, a little worried that the weather would knock out the power here, but uh, so far, so good. Uh, if I disappeared, ladies and gentlemen, there's two options. Sean screwed it up with his Skype or B, the weather here picked up again and I'm gone. Now, uh, before we get into anything, Sean, I'm pretty sure... You're bitter. You're pissed. Jermaine Durandamy oh, yeah. and this whole cyborg thing. And every time that, that Jermaine Durandamy and cyborg come up, comes up on my screen, on my Twitter feed, on my social media feeds, I'm like, Sap's going to lose his mind. Sap's going to lose his shit. He's going to freak right out because this stuff never ends with these two. And now it's, this division is messed up. Jermaine basically, I mean, she was being faulted or, or apparently alleged not alleged, but people are saying, oh, she's ducking Cyborg. She doesn't want to fight her, blah, 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 blah. And then kind of breaks her silence and says, yeah, I, I want to go to 135. You're the 145-pound champ. I don't know how many times last year we said this division shouldn't exist. It happened over and over again. I, I don't know two people who don't want to fight each other more than Jermaine Durandamy and Chris Cyborg, because for a while, if you recall, Jermaine Durandamy was like the only woman stepping up saying, yeah, I'll fight Cyborg, give me Cyborg. Then, all of a sudden, she changes her tune, and now it's because she claims it's because of drug tests. Cyborg turned down a fight with her last year. Cyborg turned down another fight, like, last summer. Like, what's the point of having a 145-pound division if Holly Holmes the only woman that's going to fight anybody in it? 
And, and she's, she's not, though. And she's got a fight scheduled at 135. It makes no sense. I don't, I don't get it. So I, I, I put together this piece, ladies and gentlemen. And to everyone that's already on the live chat, we thank you very much. Tell a friend. Tell them to come join you. Uh, come talk and hang out with Sean and I. But I, I penned a piece for Fightful.com earlier today uh, just talking about the divisions. The two divisions at light heavyweight for the men and 145 for the women. There's, there's, there's convolution going on right now at, one, at 205 pounds. Excuse me. Uh, and this women's division has me sort of like, what is going on here? It was created it wasn't really, you know, it wasn't given that liftoff, you know, the NASA liftoff that we were hoping for. Sort of did, sort of didn't. And then the people that are supposed to be competing in there aren't competing in there. And one of them now has gone back down to 135 in Holly Holm to take on Betch Correa. And then, of course, you got the champion at 145 who's supposed to be fighting Cyborg left and right. And they're both dodging each other, wanting to fight each other, not wanting to fight each other, saying she wants to go to 135. So let me ask you this. Mr. Sapp, and, and to those uh, on the live chat right now, uh, call it a conspiracy theory if you like. The fact that there isn't any depth whatsoever in this division and that the UFC can't seem to find A, fighters to fill it or don't want to fill it, and the fighters at 135 that could go up, a.k.a. Sarah McMahon and Katzengano and, and, and fighters of that nature, heck, even Ronda Rousey, that could go up there and compete, don't seem to be wanting to compete. Do you think a seed was planted in Jermaine's ear to say, you know what, this division's going down. You need to go back to 135. And then she comes out and says, yeah, I'm probably going to go to 135. Maybe. And I used to think that the notion that she was ducking somebody was ridiculous. She does have an injured hand, but she is now. She's absolutely avoiding fighting Chris Cyborg. And I would like to say Chris Cyborg is all on board, but you never know what she will or won't do on a day-to-day basis. Because one day she'll say, yeah, give me my title fight. The next time she'll say, well, no, I want to go to Invicta and defend my title. And then the next day she'll say, well, I, I I don't have enough time to recuperate. I don't have enough time for this, enough time for that. You never know what Chris Cyborg will want on a day-to-day basis. And that Jermaine Durandamy is turning into the same thing. It's, it's very frustrating. It's particularly frustrating because there was no reason for this division. Chris Cyborg is not a reason for this division. She has never given any indication that she is a major pay-per-view draw. She has never given any indication that she can make changes the way that Ronda Rousey did. And Ronda Rousey had a cast around her. There was Sarah McMahon. There was Sarah Kaufman. There was, uh, there was Alexis Davis. There was Misha Tate. There were some other women uh, that were there. At 145, you have Holly Holm and Jermaine Durandamy and Chris Cyborg. And some people will pop up and say, Megan Anderson, sure, I guess, maybe. Uh, nobody, she is not exposed to the level that some of those women were in Strike Force. So there was no point in this division. There's no point in the title. Just have Chris Cyborg fight in special attraction fights. That's all there is. Other, she bitched and bitched and bitched and bitched about getting a weight or a title, uh, a weight division. Then when she was offered the title fight, she said no. Then the woman who won the title now won't fight her. It's pointless. It's a waste of my time. It's a waste of your time. It's a waste of their time and a waste of the fans' time. It's annoying. Let me play devil's advocate. Just for a moment here. Just uh, I want to make the case for Cyborg for a moment. Do you, and everyone on the live chat, everyone listening in right now, do you consider Cyborg Santos a terrifying force whenever she competes? 
Absolutely. She's great. In my opinion, I agree. And in doing so, you can create and market and promote an absolute destructive monster of a force in Cyborg at 145 if you can align all the stars, which have proven to be difficult. you got to get those ducks in a row. Um, no pun intended with the ducking, but get those ducks in a row. Because in my opinion, you're looking at an athlete okay, who at 145 pounds is special in my opinion. She's an absolute destroyer, has been a destroyer. Now, you did mention she's not selling pay-per-views. She's never had that opportunity really to sell any pay-per-views. She's never been given that promotional push by the UFC. And mark my words, if that UFC mass marketing machine got behind someone like Cyborg, if those two entities can get together in a room and say, okay, let's, let's hash out our differences. Let's get everything taken care of. We agree to do this. You agree to do that. Get some plan together. You can market her as the best woman. And you, I'm not, not to say she can't be the face of women's MMA, but man, you can make her a force that would be an absolute – you can put her on every pay-per-view or any pay-per-view and people will tune in. Unfortunately, you do need some good caliber opponents, blah, blah. But the bottom line is she's a destructive force. She's a female Mike Tyson. And you tuned in to watch Mike Tyson no matter who he fought in his heyday. I think you have the same situation with Cyborg, lover or hater, inside the cage in the realm of combat. She's a force. She is. I mean, she had. she's had a little bit of an opportunity. She had UFC 198, which... She was on the poster. She was there. The UFC was behind her with that one. They they gave her an absolute cake fight against a girl who probably should fight at 125, not 145 or 140 or whatever. And that show did 217,000. I remember she did 500 and something thousand viewers on Showtime against Carano. And that's when Gina Carano was at her peak. You've had opportunities. Uh, from what I understand, she hasn't her Invicta fights didn't like significantly improve fight pass purchases or anything like that. They can get behind her, but it's tough to get behind her when on, as I said, any given day, you don't know what she's going to do. 135, she says she's going to move to 135. She doesn't do it. They hire a nutritionist. Doesn't happen. Well, she's going to come fight in the UFC. They they still thought that she was going to fight at 135. That's why they had the 140 fights. Now that charade is over. She ain't dropping to 135. I would have rather her just said that. And now the issue is, well, we don't know if the issue is as much on her or Durandamy because Cyborg claims she wants to fight but hasn't since last September. Is she still recovering? What's the deal? They, the UFC can give her a fight. That's on the UFC from what I understand. She's saying she wants a fight, but she's also saying that she wants a fight against a woman who isn't under UFC contract. She's under Invicta contract. And despite what the, what people believe, Invicta isn't always just like, well, here you go, UFC. Take take all of what we have here. Uh, I know it's like the only division that we have that's stronger than yours, but uh, here you go. They, they don't want to do that. It's, it's a weird situation, and unfortunately for us and the UFC, they are dealing with a woman in Chris Cyborg who has traditionally been one of the hardest women to deal with in that regard, and now Jermaine Durandamy, who is developing into one of the hardest people to deal with in that regard. Bye-bye, Division. I feel bad because, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You know what I think, Joe? What I think is 140 pounds should have been the Division from the beginning. 140 pounds should have been 
the division that the UFC brought in. I always thought that. I thought that would have been best case scenario because they could have had a Cyborg. They could have had a Rousey. They could have had... I mean, Misha Tate, a lot of people say, oh, well, maybe she'll come out of retirement for 125. No. She's more likely to fight at 145 than 125 these days. 140 should have been the division, I think. Uh, And there's no reason they couldn't have done that. It's just... It's a more suitable weight division for women that compete in MMA than than 135 or 145 is. It, it's just too late now. So, yeah, I think the division's gone. When I spoke to Frank Trigg uh, a week or so ago, he had mentioned uh, you know, we were just going back and forth, and, and the news was actually breaking while I was talking to him uh, about the charges on Cyborg. And I don't claim to know. Uh, I'm definitely not a legal expert by any stretch of the imagination. I do know law. Uh, I don't know law south of the border. Uh, in terms of a felony versus a battery, she got she's uh, or Cyborg's been um, is it charged or accused of battery? Well, uh, she's going to have to appear in court. We know that at the very least. And the more I see everything, I'm like, man, Magana got booted from Alliance MMA. We'll have a story on that on Fightful.com uh, soon. By the way, guys, UFC 212 coverage this Saturday. Come join us for that. Live coverage, uh, live discussion, and we'll have a forum thread as well. That, that's, a, that's a messy situation, too. Does the UFC want to get behind a woman who, whether it was deserved or not, punched another woman at this fighter summit? failed a drug test earlier in her career, then failed another one because she didn't disclose information, then, like I said, won't do the things that she says she's going to do. It's, it's, under, it's unfortunate. But what does this all mean? I see Vinny Fernando saying it's probably going to be a misdemeanor, but uh, I assume, again, guys, I'll, I'll, to everyone uh, on the American side of the border, I do apologize. Uh, I don't live under your laws, so I don't know the terminology. <laughs> I know the terminology up here in Canada. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, and here comes the uh, Canadian hat, ignorance, uh, blah, blah. Felony is worse than a battery, worse than a misdemeanor? Yes. Okay, well, there you go. So there's my fightful MMA law degree right there. Uh, so she's been charged. Is it charged with battery? I don't know. I have to check. Okay. I know it's battery. I know it's that. So she has to appear in court. Um, and, and based on, you know, Vinny is, is actually making sense here. Didn't even, you know, the punch didn't really do a lot of damage apparently. But then again, her, did her tooth fly out? No, her tooth didn't fly out. All right. So. Okay, so it was a sucker punch. Uh, I, I, I talked to Pearson. Pearson kind of gave me some funny uh, thoughts about that. But um, I'm just thinking, like, if, if how much of this is going to be an issue for the UFC when she goes into court, has to appear in court, whatever is laid down upon her? What, what is she going to get, Sean? Community service? Yeah, probation, maybe something, Pro- something like that. It, it's going to be a slap on the wrist. I would, I would say. Okay, so. If you're the UFC and you mentioned, you know, do you get behind someone uh, that has this now on her record? Does it make a difference? Yeah, because they, you can spin it anyway. Uh, I would be more worried about a civil suit if I were Chris Cyborg because Angela Magana seems pretty poised to get some money out of Cyborg. But uh, you did speak to Sean Pearson about this uh, recently. We have that clip here. We'll We'll go to that. Sean Pearson... Uh, seems to think that Magana had it coming, so check out what former UFC fighter Sean Pearson had to say about all this. Yes, we're 
joined to Miss Sean Pearson, who no doubt has some thoughts regarding a variety of things. Uh, he wanted to catch up with us last week regarding the whole Cyborg and Angela Magana thing. Uh, Sean, I, I explained that, you know, I, I'm old school, and I know Pearson's old school. You talk crap about somebody, you better be able to back it up. I agree 100%. This girl deserved to get punched in the face. I don't care what anyone wants to say there, but at the end of the day, you're going to talk shit. Someone's going to smack you for it. You're going to get called out on it. And that's exactly what happened. And she even had the chance to sort of step away in person. And then I was told she sort of said, I'll say whatever I want to, you know, basically telling Cyborg she's going to do what she wants. And Cyborg's like, well, I'll do what I want to. And she deserved what she got. And I bet you 90% of the fighters out there totally agree. Um, and I think it's the UFC's fault. Um, the reason why I say that is, what's this girl's name again? Magano, Magana, whatever. Angela Magana. She hasn't got a win since 2001. Why is she in a UFC fighter summit anyways? Why is she in the UFC? How weak is that division? I mean, when was her last win? If you want to Google that for me, because I don't, I'm, I might be guessing, but I don't know. It sounded like it was like 2011 or something. I'm like, that's pretty interesting. You haven't had a win in seven years that you're in the UFC. I get what she's trying to do. You know, there's bravado and stuff like that, but you got to be careful. There's a line. There's a line. And if you cross that line, okay, here's a saying that I've gone by in my whole entire life. There's no such thing as a sucker punch. The sucker gets punched. You want to talk shit about somebody, don't be within range for them to hit you. You mean you want to talk shit like that, you better not get face-to-face because you're going to get smacked. That's just a life rule that she should have learned. Uh, her last win, uh, yes, was August of 2011. She's, uh, she's not won a fight yet in the UFC. So once again, why is she in the UFC? Why is she at the Athlete Summit? Why is she allowed to be on, online talking shit about Cyborg? She's a nobody. This is, now, this is what she wanted. This is her trying to sue and get a payday. I mean, this is her UFC paycheck right here because she's never going to get a win. She's obviously not very talented. So begs the point now, Cyborg finds herself in some trouble, though. Uh, there's a battery charge there, and that whole I – mean, we'll talk about the division in a second, but the other portion of this, this – I'm saying I agree or disagree. There are laws that we have to follow. Unfortunately, Cyborg now found, finds herself in trouble because technically she broke the law. Yeah, I get it. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, she, she did something she shouldn't have done. But, you know, the, the part of me that says, you know, it's a doggy dog world, like if – I don't know. I, I, I'm on Cyborg's side here. I guess she broke the lie. I understand it completely. But sometimes I'm like, things happen. I think she was set up. And I also think that, what's her name again? Magna, Magneo? Whatever Angela Magana. No one cares. No one's going to know who she is in another week anyways. But um, you know I mean, like, she's been set up because why was she allowed to say, you can't cyber bully somebody with no repercussions. There should have been a charge prior to this on her. And I know that her argument was, well, other fighters do the same thing. Yeah, well, other fighters are willing to step up and fight. You're cyberbullying somebody who's not even in your weight class to fight. So all you're doing is bullying. You're not doing anything. You're not trying to promote a fight. You're not trying to do anything. So you're trying to be a bully against somebody. And that bully said, okay, well, that's fine. Well, I'm going to bully you back and smack you in the face. Did you I hear about the any charges here? Fair enough. Did you hear about the Cody Garbrandt bodybuilder thing? They want to fight in the parking lot. And the cops are like, you guys done? Yep. And then everybody walks away. Same idea. She can say she didn't want to fight, but she did. You put those pictures online, you do those things, you want, you want to fight. You got smacked. End of story. Fair enough. Have you heard about the Cody Garbrandt uh, bodybuilder situation? No. What's going on there? So there's, a, there's apparently a bodybuilder uh, that's been talking a lot of trash. This, this is a long story short. Talking a lot of trash uh, to Cody Garbrandt, calling him names, basically insulting him, cyberbullying and stuff like that. And Cody simply replied, here's my address. Come and find me. And the guy's like, you messed with the wrong dude. 
here's my flight. It's booked. Apparently, he's on his way to go and see Cody Garbrandt. I don't like this guy's chances, but this guy's about to get a beating. And now Justin Buckholz is involved uh, saying, quote, unquote, I'm going to teabag you. Um, so th- there's a lot of things here. What do you make of this situation? Personally, Sean, I love it. I think, dude, I don't know who you are, but if you think you're going to go toe-to-toe with Cody Garbrandt, that, that's not going to happen. Again, if two grown men want to fight or two young men want to fight, whatever you want to be, then so be it. As long as there's no, you know I mean? I want it. I don't know. This is where, you know, the, the, the adult in me and the, the old me conflict. Part of me says, let's go do it. You know what I mean? Two guys want to fight, let it happen. As long as there's no, like, when the fight's over, the fight's over. You know what I mean? There's no one seriously, seriously injured there. Um, but I, I get it. I, I understand, but I don't know. This is a tough situation. I'm not even sounding well-spoken here because I'm, you know, trying to be not be a thug. But um, Look, yeah, we trained – listen, Sean, come on. Let, let's be honest for a second. You and I trained at the same gym back in the day at Shaw Franco's. And if anyone ever wants to come into the gym and challenge you, Monkey, uh, Justin Bruckman, Shaw was like, yeah, cool, yeah, you want to do this? You're going to get your ass handed to you, but you did it. And guys would come in there, get their asses handed to them, and we'd never see them again. 100%. But at the same time, it was controlled enough that no one got seriously injured when they could have. I mean, if, if someone came in there and, you know, they wanted to challenge one of the guys, it was like, you know, they took a bit of a beating. Gloves were still on. I mean, it's not like it was a, a bare-knuckle fist fight. Gloves were on. Um, they could have been MMA gloves a couple times. But, um, yeah, it was a little, a little bit of a scrap, and then they sent them on their ways. And a lot of times there was a handshake at the end and a – even some respect at the end of it. And yeah, we didn't see them again, but always outspoken is Sean Pearson. Glad to have him back. Sean's the best. A challenge to get with. Obviously now he's a professional chauffeur, uh, as long as, as well as a professional athlete, uh, as well as a professional IT guy. Uh, he's a professional, at everything. Uh, he's a cat. Just wish he would drop more F bombs. Is that wrong of me? Seeing as I'm the guy that doesn't drop any F bombs. You should too. I might. Soon, I, I'm, I'm getting agitated. Uh, I'm gonna I, the, the stuff I wrote today, Sap, and uh, to mm-hmm. everyone you know tuned in right now. Uh, I I really want to do a video instead because I like my my weekly rant videos for Fightful.com, which I do every single week, generally on Thursdays. Uh, I I was like, you know, maybe some other stuff's gonna happen, but my God, this stuff is really uh, getting under my skin. Uh, we got some breaking news, by the way. Two things. Can, can I can I tell you? Yeah, absolutely. Vanderlei Silva is so confident he can beat Chael Sonnen, he's even willing to give him an immediate rematch. Wow, that I thought you were going to say that <laughs> Vanderlei Silva was so confident he'll beat Chael Sonnen, he decided to pull out of the fight because what's the point? Uh, and a former opponent of uh, Vanderlei Silva, uh, Brett Okamoto, is saying, uh, just spoke to Vitor Belfort, who says he feels like a kid again, and he believes he'll fight past UFC 212, didn't rule out staying with the UFC is the most important part of Brett's tweet, feels like a kid again. Feels like he's going to have a a way to use TRT pretty soon. He ain't staying with the UFC. He's fighting in Brazil. He's he's not going to stay with the UFC. I don't think there's any chance. He knows that Vanderlei and he knows that Chael are over in Bellator right now. That's where he's going. Yeah. Uh, I believe you call it Roy Nelson money? I call it Roy Nelson fleecing Bellator for money, making them think that he's worth a dime at this point. 
What if he goes on a run there and becomes their champion? Because they have, he might. They have their their heavyweight division sucks. That's my point, right? Maybe he sees something there to put a a belt or two belts around his waist. No pun intended. Sorry, Roy. I had to say it, but you know where I'm going with that. Well, uh, Bellator and heavyweight titles don't mix. But if you have a guy like Roy Nelson, as silly as it sounds, that's a great promotional fight. A good guy to promote. People uh, love him. It, it's. I'll talk about. Well, I'll go ahead and talk about it right now. It's a hell of a lot better than Andre Koreshkov versus uh, Chidi Njikawani headlining a show, which is what they're doing. Right? Can I mean, throw a Pitbull brother in there, make it interesting. Did you see that lightning that just flashed here? Holy I smokes! Didn't. Okay, it's going to get ugly in about two seconds, but uh, it is what it is. Uh, yeah, I'm getting a lot of Bellator uh, press releases. Pay, you know, paying attention to it. Uh, I, I, look, I love Bellator. I love MMA. Uh, I, I just wish they'd go back to the tournament format. Uh, I almost, in, in that article that I penned for uh, Fightful.com, I basically put forth almost, Sean, a light heavyweight tournament. Um, you know, or sorry, a, yeah, light heavyweight tournament with with all those guys who should get the winner of DC and and Jones. Uh, you know, they got Alexander Gustafson, Misha Serkinov, Vulcan Ozdemir, Shogun's in the mix. If you look at the rankings gimmick, uh, there's a division right there that is so top heavy. Uh, you know, Glover Teixeira is in there as well. You know, Corey Anderson. But after that, like, you know, I, I really want to see what the UFC matchmaking team plans on doing with this division for the rest of 2017. Yeah, I do too. Uh, some more breaking news. GSP says he can't spar until September. Eye surgery. It'll be four years by the time he's back in the cage. Hence the interim title fight between Yoel Romero and Robert Whitaker. Uh, and Michael Bisping, the current champ, calls it a participation award. Congratulations, boys. Yeah. Yeah, they're not, they're not going to be defending that title against such luminaries as Dan Henderson and nobody else. Like Bisping, so yeah, I guess the, I guess he's right. That's sarcasm, by the way, guys. <laughs> so yeah, this this UFC light heavyweight division, Ozdemir, I, I would do Ozdemir Gustafson main event in Europe. Winner gets a title shot, whatever. Uh, I'm, I would put Jimmy Manoa against somebody that you know, just somebody to bide his time, basically. And hope that he wins, and if he doesn't, then, you know, whatever. But he could fight like a Patrick Cummins, because it takes one punch from Pat- Jimmy Manoa to end-, end Patrick Cummins. So, there you go. He's a top 15 guy. Keeps him busy. Keeps him on the show. I I wonder, here's my thing. I wonder how a Jimmy Manoa performs when he's not fighting in Europe, because he's only had one fight outside of Europe. That was against Anthony Johnson. He got beat. Granted, Anthony Johnson by the way, says he's getting the itch. I don't know. I mean, that, that's a nice little troll job. He's trolling a lot uh, on social media. I think, uh, I think you know, you and I talked about it after the event, after the Stockholm event. I don't think he's coming back. I think he's just trolling, either. having some fun. But yeah, the, the, the light heavyweight division, Ozdemir stepping up is a, is a good thing. That's awesome. They, they need that. But I mean, Serkinov, and, and that's the thing. Had Serkinov beat Ozdemir, we would have been like, well, this is a guy with one split decision win in the UFC and Ozdemir, what's the big deal? But when Ozdemir beat Serkinov, we take notice and we're like, oh, wow, this is a guy who beat Serkinov, who has won four fights in the UFC. So I see it. I see the, see the, the benefit of having that. But man, you got you to gotta start matching some of these guys up with some of the lower ranked guys. That way you can hopefully make a star or two. 
uh, Shogun Hua is still hanging around at number four in the rankings. So yeah, well, the rankings giving. So the, the the way I look at it is, is, is I try to just get some common sense and try to think uh, historically at what the UFC has done, and you know you try to throw in some surprises in there because sometimes they've shocked us with their matchmaking. Gustafson, as much as we believe or some people believe, deserves a title shot. He's not going to get it because he's already fought Jones and he's already fought DC. So I say he fights the loser of DC versus Jones for the right to fight for the title. Mm-hmm. In the meantime. If Jimmy Manoa is a guy that they're talking about, a potential opponent um, for Jones or for DC, let him fight Volkan Uzdemir, who's a new star in this division. Let's see who comes out of that. Give that guy the winner of the title shot. Do you Sirkunov- think Gustafsson will want to wait that long? Because he's already talking about wanting to fight on that Jones-DC show. He's already yeah. said, you know what, I, I might want to fight then too. And that's two months away. That's already two months away for a guy who doesn't fight a lot. So that, that, that throws a different if, – if you want to follow that, that path right now, that little journey that we have here, if that's what he wants to do, then Uzdemir is the guy because he's not going to fight Manoa. And I don't – I mean, w- will the UFC offer up Manoa and try and get those two back in the cage in a rematch? I don't see why they wouldn't, but they're training partners right now. They're friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both going to fight it. It's going to be a headache of a negotiation. Uh, Gustafson versus Uzdemir, if he's fine, if he didn't break his hand with that – not so hard punch that he threw on on Sirkinov. Weird, yeah. An that, arm that punch. Could be, yeah, I mean that could be a fight right there. My 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 theory is this. Okay, going back to Gustafson taking on the loser of DC uh, and Jones because a rematch with either one of those two would be fantastic. And if you don't believe he's going to get a title shot, then let him fight the loser of that fight. That brings me to Jimmy Manoa and Volkan Uzdemir. Jimmy Manoa is on the cusp there and getting that title shot. Uzdemir is the new star. Put them together. Can one stop the hype train? Can one prove the hype train is real? Get him a title shot after that. Sirkinov's already called out Shogun. I would like to see that fight there between Sirkinov and Shogun 100%. Uh, I think it does great for for both guys. Uh, It can prove Shogun still belongs. And it can give Sirkinov that win over a big name if he emerges victorious. As for Glover Teixeira, um, I'd like to see him fight Corey Anderson, to be honest with you. Let's see what happens from there. I, I like both of those. I like because Shogun's coming off a three fight winning streak. Many people don't realize that. Like he, Corey Anderson, Jean Vellante, Noguera. Here's my thing. I'm by the speaking of Noguera, I'm not booking him against top fifteen guys anymore. No more. Don't do it. He doesn't show up to fight. No more. Not 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 okay with that. Corey Anderson and Teixeira, That's a good one. I like that too. Uh, you mentioned the Manoa fight. Uh, or Manoa, he's he's up there. You gotta, he's gonna fight on UFC 214. I mean, Dana White said they're either gonna have him on standby or he's gonna fight. If I'm paying him, I'm having him fight. Yeah, a little bit for sure. I'm having him fight because if he knocks somebody dead, that sells your next light heavyweight title fight right there. Hey guys, remember the guy who murdered Eler Latifi or Patrick Cummins or Tyson Pedro earlier tonight? He's gonna fight the winner of this. Got to do it. So we're we're at such a bare point of this light heavyweight division, but it's an interesting point too. It's it's a I'm ready to see somebody emerge. I'm ready to see a lot of somebody's emerge because DC isn't getting any younger, Glover isn't getting any younger, Shogun isn't getting any younger, John Jones you can't count on. Nogueira's still in the top ten, but when does he fight? Ovent St. Prue, as John Jones famously said, he's so unpredictable that. 
he was he became one of the toughest people that Jones ever fought because not even OSP knows what he's going to do next. So, yeah, uh, while it is kind of disappointing to see a lot of to see some of those names, the Phil Davises and Ryan Bader's go. It really opened things up in the division because they weren't having the best of fights and they were knocking off a whole lot of people. Now, if you're portraying yourself as a sport, should that matter? No. But ultimately, you are trying to get eyeballs on the screen. And Phil Davis leaving and Ryan Bader leaving, I think may have helped the UFC in some regard, helped them in some regard, and helped Bellator in some regard. I don't know if I see any losers in that situation because, I mean, we saw what happened with John Fitch. Like, he, they, they let him go with the quickness. I think the the UFC lost in that situation losing Phil Davis and Ryan Bader because you, if you could just imagine putting those two guys in the mix right now, things would be changed in this division. Sort of, but they would knock off a lot of these guys. Like, Serkinov may have not gotten this far. Ozdemir might not be at this point. Jimmy Manoa? Oh, gosh, I think Phil Davis and Ryan Bader might be able to beat Jimmy Manoa. I can't remember if they've ever fought, but um, like with what I've seen out of them uh recently i you know i don't see how manawa would stop their wrestling at this stage and we wouldn't have that now they could have done a bader cormier fight and i would have bought the hell out of it after that promo but i don't know ah it's tough it's tough i want to i was going to ask sean another question i want to ask you this question it's a question i want to ask even the peeps that are right now in the live chat um it's something that's been running through my mind as these fighters, when Roy Nelson moved over to Bellator, uh, and even some of these young up-and-comers. You, you, I'm not saying Michael Chandler made a lot of money, but if you would, look, if you can look at your career right now, and you've got to, you have to sort of balance out legacy. You know, Fedor Emelianenko is an example. Here's where I'm going with it. Okay, Sean, mm-hmm. you are, you're a professional fighter. You have the opportunity to sign with the UFC for a smaller amount of money than you can with Bellator, but in the, or just in general. Now, over your career, whether it's 10 or 15 years, would you rather retire with a million dollars in the bank? Just, I'm just throwing up numbers. A million dollars in the bank, house paid for, all, everything, no expenses, but you retire with a million dollars in the bank, but have never competed in the UFC and never had a belt around your waist, or have competed in the UFC but retire have to open a gym, have to get a full-time job, but one day you were a world champion in the UFC. Mm. Well, that's all that's a person by person basis. What's important to you? To me, like I've been offered some nice higher maybe I don't want to say higher profile than fightful, but different outlets that I could put on my resume in the future, but like is that what I want over happiness? Like, general but hold on, happiness? hold on. You're talking about, you know, you and I. This is, if you want to call this a job, but this this is our income stream. I'm talking about professional athletes that get paid much larger sums of money. Yeah. When you think about it, so the real, the real question to me is, I'm going to get paid money to fight when it's all said and done. My my your 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 career. I guess I don't know if you could see this on the screen or whatnot. Okay, your professional fighting career is yay big. Mm-hmm. Your life is yay big. So in that small window, you want to maximize the revenue that you can generate from your brand. If you could retire at 
said age of 35 or 40 years old with enough money in the in, in your bank account, does it really matter if you ever fought in the UFC? I'll ask you this. Who seems happier, Brendan Schaub or Chuck Liddell? But that's a di- I'm talking about a different story in terms of star power. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. Brendan Schaub was never at that level. He never became champion, but he, you know, he wouldn't he's doing what he likes. He he doesn't really have to do anything he doesn't want to do. Chuck Liddell's out there talking about maybe fighting again. <laughs> at light heavyweight versus Phil Davis and Ryan Bader. And yeah. maybe Victor Belfort and Chael Sonnen and, and Vanderly Silva. Yeah, you should probably Bellator should probably try to make that happen, honestly. <laughs> they probably should if they want to make money, but Yeah, I I would want to retire with money in the bank. That's what I would want to do. Yeah, especially if you can maximize the revenue from your brand. That that's what I'm saying. And you know, you got a guy like Rory McDonald uh, who potentially made that decision to say, you know what, I may never get a UFC belt. I competed for a UFC belt. I may never get it, but I'm going to go over here now. Uh, apparently, make way more money than I was making with the UFC. Probably less headaches because he he's not he's not one of those guys that likes to be in the spotlight. Uh, although he is making sort of a, a charge to do so, but. You know, the bottom line to me is, you know, I'm speaking out of personal preference or personal experience. Fame doesn't mean crap. It's the money. Yeah. If you've got the money when it's all said, but I'm not an elite fighter. Like I, my competitive urges. I used to have really big competitive urges. I would, I wanted to fight. I wanted to grapple. I wanted to do all that stuff. I had my first pro wrestling match, and I was like, wow, the they're gone. I can. This is what I can do. My urge wasn't to be the best. My urge was to perform. So uh, a ch- somebody else, like in the UFC, they probably have a whole different set of priorities than than your boy does. Stone Osborne in the live chat says, it's hard to build a brand in the UFC with what, 400 dudes on the roster? Over 500. Over 500. Well, okay, 400 dudes, 500 people. Yes, that's that's a good point. But because we're not sexist assholes, Stone. <laughs> I got your point. It's your, 2017, your porn. Stone. I just said I got your point. Can you imagine that? I got your point, Stone. <laughs> I definitely I got your point. Uh, okay, maybe we are sexist assholes, Stone. <laughs> the point is this though, with 500 individuals under lock and key with the UFC, it is a bit of a challenge to promote people, and I do believe that if they were to scale that down, scale down the amount of events they have, you can do it. And I have another theory for you, but I, I want you to address that. Is that not just an easy option to scale down? Now, those fighters would then eventually move to Bellator, or the grassroots scene would then kind of move up. It'd be hard for them to pay these fighters, but you know, it's it, it is got it's got it's a double edged sword in my opinion. I think they should just reduce the number of fights on the show. They can run the same number of shows, just reduce the number of fights. That's fine. One fight past fight is enough. Just make it a good one or make it a decent one, an intriguing one. I always thought, you know, put a heavyweight fight on there. Put a women's fight on there because, Joe, you know those weirdos that are out there that only watch women's MMA, the dudes who only watch women's MMA, they're going to buy fight pass for that and Invicta. So that's – and by the way, that's weird. If you do that, that's weird. If you watch women's MMA because you think women are hot and you like seeing women beat themselves? Well, it's not that. There are a lot of dudes in this world who they just don't care about 
men's MMA. It's weird, and they just it's it's it's, and it's because and it's because the women fighters traditionally have been so accessible, like socially and stuff too. MMA is a lot different. But if you put a women's fight on there, you put a top fifteen fight on there. Just hey, put thirteen versus fourteen on that fight pass show. You can say we got a top fifteen fight or a heavyweight fight. I would shorten the Fox thing to an hour. That Two way fights. Ha- yeah. Two fights, maybe maybe another fight, maybe a swing fight. I like that. I like that you that Fox show being one hour. I like it. Because you can have talking heads on the Fox show. Like if a fight goes too long, or if a fight goes long, you're gonna fill up that hour. If a fight goes short, Michael Bisping can get up there and talk some trash. Uh Dominic Cruz can drop some knowledge. You have that. Fight pass one hour, so you could have two fights there. I think two fights on Fight Pass would be safe in case something falls off anywhere else on the card. Then the the Fox show, Fox doesn't have to have any fights. If I mean FS1, they don't have to have any fights. You can reshow the Fight Pass fight if you need to. I think. No, I think. Well, the reason behind the whole Fox thing is to promote the pay per view, right? To drive pay per view mm-hmm. sales. So I get that. I totally understand that. I, I, I think it should stay. I do. I never thought of that, but I absolutely love the one hour concept. I think that's fantastic. Two fights there, one or two on Fight Pass. It totally takes the time limit of the show from six hours, the average UFC event from over being over six hours and 42 minutes down to like, woo, nothing. Five, like, like five hours maybe. Five yeah. hours maybe, yeah. And, it's just the way that you need to go. Less is more these days. Absence makes the heart grow fonder in some occasions or some situations. Then you can still run all these events, have less fighters, make it more important when you get to the UFC. I don't know. And another another thing, like you had Kat Zingano saying, why are they giving Snoop Dogg all this money? Why are they giving Kobe Bryant all this money when we're struggling? Why are they doing it? And here's an interesting point. You spoke to Burt Watson. You know why the UFC does that? Because they can. Because they can. Do you ever hear anybody say, Hey, you train in Bellator? No. But you hear fools say, do you do the UFC thing? You actually spoke to Burt Watson. I'll cue that up now. Uh, Showdown Joe speaking to the legendary Burt Watson, who's at the UFC for, for years, and he talked about brand identity. I think that, 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 that MMA, the sport of MMA, became big business you know, back in 2009, 2010, when when the UFC really started expanding out into the international market and started going, you know, you know, I, I, you know, the very first time that I did a show in an arena that was so damn big, I hope I can say that, that was so big that I had to I had to go from one dress room to another dress room in a golf cart. Because the arena was so big, and that was in Canada, 55,000 people. I knew then that, 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 that MMA had more than legs. You know, it had legs, it had a full tank of gas, and it had a rotary engine on the back of it. And I've seen the progression of it. And the sport itself has, has moved so rapidly and has grown so rapidly that 
it didn't give the athletes involved time to adjust to that change because not when when the sport started growing the sport got bigger there was more sponsorship money there was more money involved television became interested you know and and, and it became big business and when organizations become big business you know very often along the way the 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 average worker the average guy in that scenario that has to pull up his sleeve feels a little left behind because that wheel is moving so fast and that has happened in MMA the sport has gotten so big and has moved on such a global level you know it, it's it's for me to have started with the UFC when I did you know in in professional sports you got three letters or you got letters that identify with the sport you got the NBA you got the NFL you got the NHL you got baseball and you got the UFC which has thrown itself into that that genre of mega sports you know and and and, and mega dollars i mean it just sold what 4.2 billion dollars it just got sold for so the sport itself has gotten so big so quickly and now the athletes are catching up to the prog- this is the story of the one as a maintenance engineer he hears things differently to the untrained ear everything on his shop floor might sound fine but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand and he knows granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done which is music to his ears Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Progression of the sport itself. But a good thing is that the regional level has also grown along with the sport. The interest on the regional level has grown along with the sport. Uh, I, I'm in Philly, and 15, 16 years ago, I'm, I'm, I, I came from boxing. 15 or 16 years ago, there were maybe 26 boxing gyms in Philly. And I personally now know of maybe five flourishing and everything else is MMA. And that's the way it is around the country. Every place I go now, you know, I was in Atlanta a couple of weeks ago and there are four valid MMA gyms in Atlanta, high-profile gyms in Atlanta. ATT, you know, they've got gyms and, and affiliations across the country. Alliance, we just, you know, we did a show with Eric Del Fury in uh, San Diego. And I'm, I'm telling you, I mean, I saw Katz and Gano. I saw, I saw uh, Phil Davis. I mean, the people that were there, it, it, it has expanded. So what, I, what, I, what I'm happy to see is that the sport of MMA and the fighters involved at a regional level have begun to catch up with the ultimate level, which is the UFC, which is where they all got to go. And when they get there, they need to be right, baby, and they need to be ready. The legendary Burt Watson. 
I was happy when I saw that you were going to have him on the show. Yeah, he's the man. He's absolutely fantastic. And, and the amount of stories. Uh, and for those that are watching right now, listening in on iTunes, later on on Stitcher, uh, Bert has uh, confirmed he'll join us uh, whenever we need him. I said, we don't need you every week, Bert. You're a busy guy. You're traveling around. Uh, he is not that young, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so he's got to, you know, you got to give him time. And uh, he says he'll be more than happy to join us whenever we need him. I figure every month or so, uh, we'll have the legend on, tell us some stories. Maybe I'll just do a whole interview with him and then we can take pieces, Sean, from it uh, and let him tell stories. We'll see. Um, Bert, Bert, like I said, is a legend. Uh, was it on the on the Saturday or Sunday morning or Sunday afternoon podcast or last week when I explained to you how, you know, Bert and I would meet in various cities whenever the UFC would travel? Because for those that don't know, it's a traveling circus all of us uh would end up meeting in whatever city the uc was holding an event with and whenever i would land i'd reach out to bert and we would do our our grand marnier one shot of grand marnier one heineken meeting that's what he loves to do every night and we would just swap stories mainly him i'm listening because uh, you don't do much talking uh when bert watson is talking you listen because that's a man that's been around since the muhammad ali uh george foreman uh joe fraser days so uh he he was there with all those champions so uh i love bert Bert Burst just a, a magical guy, infectious energy. It's unbelievable. But uh, yeah, we'll have him on again, Sean. I'm excited to hear more stories from him. We have somebody saying, Sean, can you and Joe talk more about the cyborg situation? We did at the top of the show, so check that check that out for sure. But we got UFC 212 this Saturday, Joe. It looks like a really good Fox Sports 1 Brazil card with a title fight added. Yeah, and Vanderlei Silva is fighting uh, nobody. Oh, sorry, Anderson Silva. Anderson <laughs> Silva. I kept saying randomly. Uh, I still wish Anderson was on this card, but uh, you talk about a hardball situation that the UC is playing with him. They're calling his bluff, but uh, I like this main event, man. Who doesn't like this main event? You know, uh, I guess it's, it's, you know, who's the real champion in this division? You can say it's Aldo. You can say it's, uh, it's Conor McGregor. Yeah. Right? But it's Aldo versus Max Holloway, so I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to see if Max Holloway has what it takes uh, to take out Aldo. Um, the only guy that's really done that, in our eyes, in our estimation, and what we've seen uh, since pretty much the dawn of time, has been Conor McGregor. Uh, and that was a quick, quick beatdown uh, by the Notorious. So we'll see what Max Holloway brings to this table. We'll see what Aldo has left. And if he does defeat Holloway, it's a bit of a headache for this division, is it not? Well, if yeah, kind of, because Edgar isn't going to get another fight. And no matter what happens, Conor McGregor is going to say, I knocked this guy out in 14 seconds. I beat this guy with a torn ACL. So there's always that there. Conor McGregor is the true champion, but he's never fighting at 145 again. Never. So this, this had to happen. So you got Aldo who got beat. You got Holloway who has an interim title. This fight was supposed to happen in February. Didn't happen. But now we've got this, and it's it, man. It's a it's a great fight. It's a hell of a fight. Holloway is always evolving, and he's still growing. Like he's still he's in his mid twenties, so he his frame is going to adjust and develop. He was somehow able to like drag Stevens down to the ground, who was really really big for that weight division. He's always getting better. Like I said, he's still growing. One of the things I love most about Max Holloway is how he is he switched his stance seamlessly. It'll look like he's fighting recklessly and like he's just throwing punches and, and but you watch his feet. And when somebody else adjusts their feet, 
he does it accordingly while he's throwing those strikes up against the cage particularly. I love his posture when he strikes, especially against the cage. That is almost Diaz-esque. Like, you know, that that was that used to be the blueprint that nobody seemed to follow in Strike Force. They would never give a Diaz or give Nick Diaz a wrestler. So Nick Diaz could just back people to the cage, unleash, and win the fight that way. Max Holloway is so good at striking up against the cage. His evolution since the Conor McGregor loss has really been something to behold. Roy Soria taking a shot. Is, is that a shot at me? Joe is looking pretty yoked. Please lay off the deltoid workouts, bro. Hashtag Goldberg like shoulders. <laughs> I actually don't work out my shoulders as much as I should. Uh, I do full body workouts and I'm not yoked. You know how yoked I am? I'm not going to show the brand. Sean and Jimmy Van, if you're watching, but this is my drug of choice. Just oh. protein. Protein and a whole Pure HGH. Pure this. You give me coffee and my protein after my workout, that's it. But yes, I've been working out my tail uh, five days a week because, you know, Sean Ross Sapp's younger than me. Uh, not better looking than me, but younger than me. Uh, and he might, take, <laughs> he might take all my broadcasting gigs. So I got to stay in shape with these young bucks, Roy. Uh, but yeah, it's probably the shirt that makes me look bigger than I should. But um, uh, are we ever going to get a sound board or graphic or not graphic, but something you could hit whenever we want to just throw to something? For example, we're, we're always going to use the Conor McGregor. Who the is that guy? We're, yeah, we're but I use think that. the UFC would pull our video again. I did that one time. What? They pulled, they pulled our video. Yeah. How do you figure? They they just did. It's copyright. So if I get some re- legit Irish guy to do that, we're fine. Then they won't. Then they won't. Yeah. Okay, I'll do that. I know some Irish peeps that have. But, uh, but I I said that while looking at this card an awful lot. Well, we'll get to that in a second. I was gonna. What I'm trying to segue to is there going to ever be a sound that you're going to play whenever I mention uh, a female fighter that I think is pretty, and I end up pausing during my speech? No. All right. Uh, Karolina Kovalevich taking on uh, Claudia well, we, Gadella. We have more to talk about for the Aldo fight. Come on. All right. Come yeah. on. Go ahead. Uh, one of the things that's about this fight, Aldo not only has really good footwork, but he makes people who have really good footwork look like they don't. Like Frankie Edgar, Frankie he was Edgar. always always catching Edgar off balance. He was catching Edgar crossing his feet. There was that like. And his takedown defense is unbelievable. Like, the the way that he was able to shuck off Frankie Edgar in some of those takedown attempts was unbelievable. I, I, I was shocked. I was it wasn't shocked. even just that. It was, I, I remember you and I talking about it, was Aldo was just on a different speed. Was just, his reaction time was just so far ahead of Frankie. And Frankie's this amazing fighter with incredible footwork doesn't stop moving and Aldo was just like dude like you're in slow motion he was just at a different level and that it's so I remember when we were talking about that fight Sean I was so intrigued at the fact that Frankie Edgar is going to pull this off it's going to be amazing he's going to really give it to Aldo I don't think Aldo's recovered properly from the from the uh, McGregor fight he's been off too long blah 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 and Aldo enters the octagon and pulls off that performance where my eyes were like is this really happening like, this guy's on a different level than Frankie Edgar, which then begs the case, like you said, Max Holloway, who's evolving, is learning, is going to get bigger. Can he do it 
versus this guy because Aldo in that fight there looked like the best fighter of all time. The pound for pound, one of the pound for pound best, as many people had alluded, and it was just Conor McGregor that caught him with that left that dropped him. Yeah, I think Max Holloway will be the guy that carries this division into the coming years, but Aldo's still 30. He's 30 years old. He's not like an old, old dude. He's got a lot of cage miles on him, 28 fights, and who knows how many more inside the gym that we don't even know about, but he's lost one time in 12 years. And if they ran that fight back, who knows what would happen? Who knows what would happen? He's had a lot of really deep fights, a lot of five-round fights. That's always something that I question, I wonder, I'm concerned about. But his reaction time is really tough to train for. That's tough to emulate. It's tough to find somebody who can emulate that for you in a fight camp because it's so good. Now, do I see Max Holloway even trying to take it to the ground? I don't know. But if he gets a taste of a few of those leg kicks, he might. The the thing that particularly interests me is that in different ways, these two guys like to really focus on one thing to open up something else. Like Jose Aldo will hack at your legs. Then he will get you off base, off balance, worried about the leg kicks, and pop you with a straight and put you square on your ass. Max Holloway will back you up against the cage, make you think he's going to strike, do a knee tap, and put you on your back because you're not expecting that out of him. It's it's just it's a really great look at well-rounded MMA, but with Aldo's, he he uses defense to set up his offense. Like he uses his takedown defense to set up his offense because he doesn't take people down that often. I mean, he can, but yeah, this is such a high-level fight, such a great fight. It's a shame that you know that the trolls are going to be out after this saying, well, Conor McGregor beat both of them. Yeah, he did, but there's nothing wrong with this being a title fight and this fight happening because it's against two world-level talents. I'm psyched for the fight. But i got to ask you, Joe, who do you think wins? Aldo. I still think Jose Aldo, after that performance versus Frankie Edgar, I think he's still that much better uh, than Max Holloway. Now, if Max Holloway pulls it off, will I be surprised? Hell no. I mean, the kid's just absolutely on fire and proven time and time again that he's a bad, bad man. He can scrap. He can do it. And, and so it will not surprise me whatsoever, especially with the – I think he's got is it a two-and-a-half or three-inch reach advantage, maybe more. You know, so it's it's – if he takes advantage of that – uh, I just think there's a lot of pressure uh, for Max to head into Brazil under that environment, and you know, it's hostile. It's hostile. It's going to be a lot of those chants where you know they're they're wishing death upon you, and all those fought there before. And when he emerges victorious, he jumps the cage and goes into the crowd. Uh, he's going to have the crowd behind him. He's going to absolutely love it. He's going to have a fantastic time. It's like the you know it's it's another corner man for him. I just think Aldo, especially considering what I saw in that Frankie Edgar fight. Um, wants to prove a lot in this division. Then again, there's the Aldo that doesn't give a rat's ass about the UFC and how much they pay and just I don't care what happens with my career. He just wants to fight and get it over with. So he's another one of those guys that's been sort of misleading all of us, probably including his own family and friends, as to what he wants to do. Uh, a motivated Aldo is pretty much unbeatable, minus Conor McGregor. And I, you know, you said it, I've said it, we've all said it. Uh, anyone that doesn't know anything about MMA probably won't say it, but... You can replay that Aldo McGregor fight again. You probably get a different result. You just never know. You know Goodbye, McGregor's. Yeah. You know McGregor is an absolute McGregor and his people are freaking geniuses to be able to take. You know sometimes you uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for when you're compounding something. You know you take a brick, you put it on top of another brick. They're able to take risks with bigger bricks. 
to get it on top and just get you know they get higher and higher as time goes on and they're able to basically capitalize on whatever they've done to get them to where they need to be today so kudos to mcgregor and his camp for doing what they did but if anything if, if there was no if conor mcgregor wasn't as big as he is right now we'd have seen that rematch We'd have seen that rematch a long time ago. I still hope we do, but you got to wonder. It's a talking point we've ran to death. Will Conor McGregor ever fight again after that? But that's that's that fight's there. That fight's money. That that's a good one. I'm going Holloway in this fight, but it, I'm it's the betting line accurately reflects my decision because the betting lines, well, uh, bookmaker had it at like minus one fifteen and minus one fifteen. It's even know. money. I got yeah. it even money here. Yeah, so that that's that's a really tough one. That's if I were to set lines, though, those would be the lines I would set. That's how close I think this one is. I don't think this is the last time that we're going to see these two fight either. So, yeah, well, uh, actually, five dimes has it. My or no, never mind. That's that's a, a hypothetical Aldo McGregor, but. Yeah, that's, five that's, dimes has it at minus one ten. Minus one ten, I think that that's right. But uh, yeah, I'm going Holloway. I would like if you could put minus one eleven and minus one oh nine. That's what I would do. Sorry, ladies and gentlemen that are is that are you know whoever's watching this live right now or gets to see the video afterwards. I'm trying to remove. I'm salivating here, looking at those lines because I'm not one to wager. On MMA, I love talking about lines uh, with my articles that you see every Friday on Fightful, uh, talking about prop bets. Whew, I would put money on Aldo right now. You would? <laughs> oh, wouldn't? yeah. I would. Well, I definitely I would. It's hard for me to put money on anybody who's a favorite. Well, at this at – this, They're both fa- – They're both That clip, yeah, that, that, wouldn't be, that wouldn't be hard to make some money off of. That's true. That's value. We'll see what happens on Friday when I write the piece, Sean. But uh, I think Aldo, I mean, that's – Good money. That's value right there. You know, I'll look into the props later on uh, this Friday, but uh, we'll see what happens. You got Pinnacle's got a crazy one for you. Minus one sixteen for Aldo, uh, plus one hundred three for Max Holloway. So there's value for you right there. You want Max? Take him right there. Um, yeah. You want to move on to the co-main event? Absolutely. Can I only talk about Karolina Kulikovic, or I have to talk about Claudia Gadelia? Go ahead. Disturbing. I'm joking. I'm kidding. All you people out there that thinks that think I'm being a pig. I just think she's beautiful. Whatever. Uh, I like this fight, uh, and this is a a, a a fight at 115 pounds that is very very well matched style versus style. Uh, Claudia, you can make the the argument is probably one of the best, if not the best, sort, short of um, the champion in this division. Uh, almost not a gatekeeper, but like you want to get a title shot again, you're going to fight me. Uh, these two both have competed uh, against your um, Jacek. This is a fantastic fight. Uh, the stand up, I will give the edge to Carolina. Claudia, overall though, is the better fighter, and it will likely be the one uh, that will determine where this fight is going to go. She's a heavy favorite right now. Uh, some sites have her at minus three hundred and plus two fifty for Carolina, who, in my opinion, can shock the world uh, and, and land a nice punch combination that could stop Cla- you know Claudia in her tracks. Uh, what say you, sir? That's the fight style that is given. Claudia Gadelia trouble in recent years. Granted, that was against Joanna. And Joanna's way of utilizing that style is far beyond that of Carolina. 
you get the feeling this is going the distance, and that's another concern of Gedalia. Like, can't, how how long can she keep her gas tank up? But this is three rounds. Gedalia hasn't finished a fight since 2013. Carolina hasn't finished a fight since 2014. Of course, this will be the one since I said it's going the distance. <laughs> uh, Carolina has a habit of having close fights, maybe when she shouldn't. Like, like maybe fighting down to her competition a little bit. But, I mean, this is this is a high-level women's fight. It's a lot of, like what they have to do with the flyweight division. <laughs> We've got this dominant champion, so let's just take the two people that couldn't beat her, beat them and just smash them together and see what happens. I got Gedalia here because Gedalia gives me the feeling that a fight could end at any time on the feet or the ground, and I don't get that same feeling out of Carolina. It's a tough one to call for me. It's a, it's a lot closer than the betting lines indicate, in my opinion. Yeah. But, yeah, and Carolina's in a really good state of mind heading into this show. Like, I see her on Embedded, and she's really happy. She's going to the beach. Like, she's relaxed. And Gedalia is, too. Don't get me wrong, but r- remarkably laid back. But another thing we have to wonder about this women's strawweight division that we haven't seen play out is when is the decline age? When does that happen? Is it like the men's lightweight division or the welterweight division? Or is it more like the men's heavyweight division or the women's bantamweight division? Like, we we don't know that. There are still a lot of questions that have to be answered about this division. I think this fight will will help that. But an excellent fight. If you you were to have me compare this fight to anything, I would say, like, if it were – they were to put – John Dodson against Joseph Benavidez at, at flyweight because it's two people who you know would either be champion or be at that pinnacle if not for that one person blocking their way. Yeah, just to go back uh, when I when I was talking about the whole um, would you would you rather compete and you know leave with a million dollars or compete in the UFC and have to get a job afterwards? The name that I was referring to that I wanted to mention I forgot to mention was Ben Askren. That's why I was asking the question. Uh, and now up on the chat right now, there is there is talk of Ben Askren. Uh, why doesn't he come to the UFC? Um, it's not going to happen because of Dana White and Ben Askren. Ben Askren could, could give a damn about competing in the UFC. He goes over to 1FC. I think he won a Lamborghini. Uh, there was a picture there of, of the car that he won. I think it was Front Row Brian that posted it. The dude won a Lamborghini. You know, you could sell that Lamborghini, pay off your house, and you're good to go for the rest of your life if you're smart with your money. Um, so, sorry. Um, back to Claudia and, and Carolina. Plus 250 on Carolina. That's pretty good value right there. Then again, we'll see where that line goes because it's going, it's actually going, it's continuing to go the opposite way, Sean, uh, on most sites that. You know, Claudia is going to be even more of a favorite potentially leading up uh, to when these two step into the octagon on Saturday. Uh, I think there's value on Carolina. Uh, I think Claudia does win this fight because she has more options to win, but we'll see what happens. And speaking of of interesting, I don't know how interesting it actually is, uh, in the UC, Vitor Belfort taking on Nate Marquardt. This might just break down very simply to speed kills. Vitor Belfort is a much quicker fighter than Nate Marquardt, and Nate Marquardt is not 25 years old where he can take a punch like he used to uh, in his early days in the UFC or when he was the king of pancreas. And Vitor Belfort was, is faster, has more power. If this thing stays standing up, it could be a short night for Nate Marquardt. And the line on both on this one here is very, 
very close. I mean, minus 135 for Vitor, plus 15 for Marquardt. This screams of yeah, finish. I'd put money on Vitor. He's still very fast. Like, even in the fights that he's lost, I've seen no indication that he has, that he's like a slow fighter. He gets taken down a little too easily for my liking, and if uh, Nate Marquardt takes it upon himself to utilize his wrestling, that could be a big problem. But uh, Vitor Belfort is still a very, very fast fighter, very fast hands. So I think he's I think he's going to win this fight. I think he's going <laughs> to... It's so funny because he was like, last UFC fight until, he really, <laughs> until maybe somebody got in his ear and said, you know, idiot, you're kind of getting rid of all your leverage now. So he's like, oh, I might still fight in the UFC. He ain't fighting in the UFC. He's going to go to Bellator where he can fight all those old dudes. And he should. He should because that's where more money is, more relaxed drug testing. I think this is the last we see of Vitor in the UFC, and I think he's going to win. Let me ask you this because Jordan Lane on the uh, live chat stating, is Vitor that much quicker even with his dad bod? The answer is yes. The other question is, Will you be surprised if Vitor does not have a dad bod come Saturday? Yeah, I would. You'd be surprised? Yes, I would. I can see. Yeah. If he's tested, he's tested by USADA. Uh, yeah, but I will not be surprised. We'll see if he, that dad bod disappears once he goes to Bellator, which you and I both agree uh, it'll happen shortly. Uh, moving down the card, uh, as we take a look at the button that we wish you could hit, because you said, who the is that guy? You take a look at the next bunch of fights. We know some of them, some of them we don't know. Uh, Paolo Borucinia, who's a bad, bad man, and his, when he made his Octagon debut, it was a, a guy I told Elias Theodore to pay very close attention to because this kid has got power. He's fast, uh, and he's taken on Olawale Bangbos. Bang um, Let me Bangbos. Yeah, let me bang, bro, or Bangbos. Yeah, no, you're right. Um, it's a weird fight. For us people here in North America thinking, why is this on the main card for a pay-per-view? It's a big one in Brazil because they're putting yeah, yeah, a lot they're... of push on, behind Paulo. Yeah, that, that's what it is. They want to make a star out of Paulo on Brazilian TV. He finishes all of his fights in the first round. He has finished them all. He's a former uh, jungle fight middleweight champion. So that's what they're doing here. I Normally I'd be like, why? But it's harmless. I think it has more of a potential to be exciting than... Like maybe some of the bantamweight fights that are on the show, even if it, even though it's got like higher level talents like a Sun Sal. So yeah, I think this is gonna, this is gonna end in the first round because that's the type of fighter that he's facing as well, a guy who likes to finish in the first round. So I think they're gonna go in there and slug it out. And I think this is gonna be a great pay per view fight. Eric Silva taking on Yancey Medeiros. Even money on this one here. Eric Silva, in my mind, will always go down as the. Coulda, shoulda, woulda guy in this division. I had so many hopes for this guy to be one of the elite guys, top three, top four in this division. Unfortunately, it's never panned out for him. And I always wonder if it's one of those situations where, you know, too hard, too much training in the gym, but too much hard sparring in the gym has its effect when you compete for real inside the octagon. I think that could be the potential issue with Eric Silva. But at 170 pounds, taking on Yancey Medeiros, this should be interesting. Yeah, Medeiros trains with the Diaz brothers. That's always interesting. Uh, Eric Silva, we've seen his, his I don't want to say rise and fall because there wasn't much of a rise and fall. He came in as a really, really highly touted prospect out of Jungle Fight in 2011 when he showed up, but has never put together more than two wins in a row. 
and only did that one time. But he's he's got some nice wins on his record, kind of. Guys that looked really nice then and just didn't withstand the test of time, like Charlie Brenham and Jason High. Uh, Biggie Rhodes was a big prospect for a while. Uh, Josh Koscheck was kind of booted from the UFC, uh, I think, by Eric Silva, if I remember correctly. He's got excellent body shots. Like he all he crumpled uh, Mike Brown or not Mike Brown, Matt Brown several times from them. That's what I always look for from him. But he's not that young guy anymore. He's not that prospect anymore. He's thirty three next month. This yeah. isn't the Eric Silva that that we were expecting big things out of six years ago when he was in his mid to late twenties. This is a guy who's just trying to hold on, and if he loses, that's three out of four. And in the UFC, you never know what happens when you lose three out of four. Yep. Yancey Medeiros is a guy that I'm sure that if UFC runs a show in uh, Hawaii or they run a show in Stockton that they want on their show, so I think he's kind of safe no matter what. Plus, he's never lost back-to-back fights either. This is a fight that I'm looking forward to. It's one of those that very well could go the distance but be very exciting in it. Uh, Medeiros has some good ground skills. Eric Silva loves to bang it out. So, yeah, I'm pumped for this fight. I think it's going to be good. It's it's irrelevant, but it's good. The fight that I'm definitely looking forward to is the one that's going to end the preliminary preliminary card on Fox Sports 1. Rafael Asuncao, who's a, a dangerous man in this division at 135 pounds, a top, top contender, taking on the debuting uh, Marlon Moraes, who's got experience coming out of the yin-yang. Now he gets to the UFC. What does this mean? This is that test that's going to prove, are you the real deal? Will he be the Marcin Held? Will he be the Will Brooks? Who is you know, Marlon Moraes when he comes to the UFC? And right off the bat, you're getting Rafael Asensao. Oh, buddy. This is going to be an awesome fight, a great litmus test for Marlon Moraes. And what does it mean for Rafael Asensao if he does lose? If he wins, he's supposed to win. If he doesn't win, what does this mean? Yeah, well, he, he maybe he's supposed to win to casual MMA viewers, but those like that have seen Marlon Marias fight in the past, no. And and he's man, favored. The UFC didn't do uh, didn't do a Sunsau any favors by giving him Dillashaw at UFC 200, coming off of that that nasty foot injury. Dillashaw is not the kind of guy you want to face. He fought Aljamain Sterling, who I'm waiting for Aljamain Sterling to not be the raw talent guy, and because he he's at that age. So Marlon Marias is the type of guy who can dance circles around a Sunsau if that ankle is still giving uh, giving him trouble. He's also the type of guy that can kick your leg off. He can kick your knee off. He can kick your head off. You never know where his kicks are going to come from. He can submit you on the ground. He is extremely well-rounded. He's got that Ricardo Almeida Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu that <laughs> that he's worked with he's he's got excellent Muay Thai this is a hell of a fight this is a fight that could have been co-main event over the two that that were co-main event but I see you know this is what they like to do they love to stack up that Fox Sports 1 show I'm leaning towards Marias uh in this fight he is the betting favorite uh, a minus 175 who are you going with It's it's one of those fights that you know I'm always so intrigued when someone that had major success outside of the UFC finally makes it to the UFC. I'd like to see 
how mentally strong they will deal. How, how can they deal with the real UFC jitters? Because they are real. Uh, can they get past that? You are now really fighting for the big show. No, no matter how much experience you have, you're now competing in the big show. Uh, you're competing in Brazil, which shouldn't be a problem. But at the same time, it's one of those situations where you've made it. These are different lights. These are big lights. You're at the big show now. Can you handle it? And if you can handle it, you're going to be victorious. If you can't handle it, that mental block that you set aside in your mind, because realistically speaking, Sean, the UFC jitters is not real. You fabricate it. You create it in your own mind. It's no different where you're fighting. If you know how to fight in front of a crowd, technically it shouldn't matter whether it's 500, 5,000, 15,000. If you can fight and get, you know, as, as Kamara Usman has told me numerous times, you feel naked when you are in the octagon. You feel naked when you're fighting because all you have is your shorts, mouth guard, and your gloves. That's it. So if you're comfortable feeling naked, competing in front of 500, 5,000, or 15,000, you're going to be fine. It's all mental, in my opinion. So how will, will Marlon deal with that? That's the big question for me. If he can deal with it and has it has... Next to no effect, it's negligible. He emerges victorious. But it's Rafael Hasanzal who's been there way too many times and may have a chip on his shoulder in this fight here to prove you're giving me this guy? I'm going to show you why all you odds makers are incorrect, why everyone putting money on this guy, keeping him the favorite, are incorrect. And I'm going to show you what it's like to compete in the UFC. So it's tough for me to pick. I, I, I am going to give the edge, actually, to Hasanzal because he's been there. Now, Marlon's got great skills, but we'll see what happens. It's, 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 it's a there's a dichotomy going on mentally in this fight. I can't wait to see it. Great fight. I almost forgot about it, actually. Yeah, that's why I was waiting patiently to actually get down to this fight here. Uh, you also got Antonio Carlos Jr. taking on Eric Spicely. Uh, I will ask you this. Does it go the distance, and will there be a submission courtesy of Carlos Jr.? Well, Spicely's underrated on the ground. Like People don't realize he's, he is a black belt. Yep, but uh, Antonio Carlos is really good. He people that's another thing people don't realize because he's not had that that tear, but he's had I think ten fights between UFC and Tough since March or not March uh, March of two thousand fourteen early two thousand fourteen. So he stayed really active, and he's only lost two of those fights. He lost to Pat Cummins at uh, light heavyweight. Top 15 guy. Lost to Dan Kelly, who is timeless, uh, apparently. And then, unfortunately, there was that Kevin Casey fight where as soon as it started, uh, there was the eye poke. But this is a good fight. Uh, but Antonio Carlos's ground game, I don't know if Eric Spicely wants to go there. Maybe he would to want to test himself to see where he stands in the grand scheme of things. But if I were him, I'm not going there. If I'm him, I'm trying to powerbomb him because Spice is a pro wrestler. So he's got to hit the Stone Cold Stunner on old Antonio <laughs> Carlos. Imagine that. That would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I am leaning toward Antonio Carlos Jr. in this fight. Oh, yeah, I am too. Uh, like I said, I think that the only reason Spice would go to the ground is just to maybe see if he can hang, if he got real comfortable. But Antonio Carlos is a healthy favorite, and he should be. 
Uh, you take a look at the next fight here. The next two fights uh, in the Bantamweight division. Johnny Eduardo is another example of a guy that could have, should have, would have, unfortunately has spent so much time outside of the octagon than actually inside the octagon. Uh, a fantastic fighter, in my opinion. Uh, you know, He's taking on Matthew Lopez. You also have Yuri Alcantara competing against Brian Kelleher. D- these are two guys, Eduardo and Alcantara, that are fantastic in this division, but just coulda, shoulda, wouldas. Johnny Eduardo fought as much in a three-and-a-half-month period in 1997 as he has the past seven years. He fought once in 16, once in 15, once in 14, none in 13, once in 2012, twice in 2011, once in 2010. He's 36 years old. He ain't getting any younger. This is a real good opportunity for Matthew Lopez to... Johnny's 36, man. Yeah. And he beat Manny Gamburian, but that's Manny Gamburian. No, I understand that. That's 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 very true. But I remember when he fought Rafael Asuncel. I was there for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there were a lot of people like, man, pay attention to Johnny Eduardo. Then he goes off and he beats Jeff Kern and Eddie Wineland. And people are like, this is it. But the problem is... I was, there. Not- I was there for the Wineland fight. Man. Yeah. He's not competing enough, though. Does come back. He takes on Aljamain Sterling, and he gets submitted. Well, imagine, imagine, you know, I watched that Wineland fight live, and I remember thinking, who is this guy? And then I look, oh, he's been in the UFC for three years. Oh, he's fought one time. Yeah, exactly. And since then, since then, three years ago, he has one win. Two fights, one win. That's that's nuts to me for a guy that age, like... (laughs) I know he's got a ton of kids. He's got like 432 kids. His wife actually fought pregnant one time, not realizing, or girlfriend fought pregnant, not realizing that she was pregnant. Come on. I never heard that. Yeah. Are you serious? Story coming to Fightful.com, BT dubs. Disturbing. Yeah, I didn't realize it. Um, This is a real, real, real big opportunity for Matthew Lopez, who is a favorite, and I am picking to win this fight. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if you, even if you just go with the youth factor. I mean, th- th- there's a situation right there. But Johnny Eduardo, in my opinion, uh, you know, it was a guy that many of us had high hopes for. Um, Alcantara, uh, he's only competed what three times in two or three years. Yeah, I mean, he fought twice in 2016, lost to Jimmy Rivera, beat Brad Pickett. Then he fought Luke Sa- Sanders uh, in March. He's he stayed a little bit more active, though. That'll yeah. be two fights this year, two fights last year, two fights the year before that. And then he, he, he fights pretty consistently. He, he gets in the cage about two or three times a year. You got to just to make money in this sport, you got to fight three times a year yeah. just to pay your bills, in my opinion, depending on where you live. But oh, my goodness. Yeah, but, uh, you know. I am going to lead towards Yuri in this fight. Uh, I'm not going to lie to you. It's just another one of those guys. He's a heavy favorite. He's minus 275 uh, to, you know, to Brian's plus 235. Yeah. But you know, it is what it is. And I'm, I'm looking forward to the fact that just seeing Johnny Eduardo and Yuri Alcantara competing again. way to say, hey, you know what? There are some dudes out there that are still relevant. And or we might see some new stars born out of this division. Is a showcase fight for Alcantara. Showed some holes in Alcantara's game. Luke Sanders yeah. was doing very, very well.
on Alcantara here. <laughs> Kyler James. Alice putting cheese on his Whopper. I love you, Kyler. That's hilarious. Mm-hmm. Uh... That's it. And then you get the three car, three boats uh, on the UFC fight pass. Women's strawweight fight, a welterweight fight, and a flyweight fight. Do any of those three tickle your fancy, or are you just like, uh, uh. nope? Yeah, that's what I thought. Jim Wallhead well, didn't yeah, do anything yeah. for me in his debut, really. And the women's fight is a very, very low-level women's fight. It is a four-and-one woman. Fighting, and then you have a flyweight fight that the, the flyweight fight does the most for me because Marco Beltran was like he's three and one, but uh, good God, uh, the last time he fought it was at 140 pounds, so and he lost that yeah. fight against Joe Soto. See <laughs> Phoenix, what's up with Ally Quinta trying to fight everybody at the retreat? I just think he's pretty awesome. funny, pretty funny, honestly. Someone should have recorded all that. He's smacking food out of people's hands and, you know, yeah. I like I, – I don't like that. I don't want to see the footage. I want to hear the story. It's not as funny if I see Ally Quinta smack it out of his hand. But if I have Cajun Johnson going on TV or, or any interviews <laughs> and saying, yeah, he smacked food out of my hand, I, that's the type of thing I like to leave to my imagination. <laughs> Was it an uppercut? Was it a left shot, right shot? <laughs> what was it? Yeah, no. Have you ever uh, seen Bruce Almighty? I believe I have. The yeah. Jim Carrey movie. Yeah. Where his boss is saying, you're not an asshole. You can't be an asshole. And Bruce looks at him and slaps the food out, or slaps the papers out of his hand. That's how I imagine it. Yeah, I, I'd like to see the video, to be honest with you, or all the different <laughs> videos. Uh, they should record, they should have cameras everywhere, live feeds at these athlete retreats. But That's what I say. Here's what I got to ask you. What did you think of Bryce Harper's fight yesterday? Did you see it? He landed a right, if I'm not mistaken. A good one. A good yeah. one. He did, but he got cracked too. Um, now, here's the real question. I'm gonna, I might post a video of me breaking down the fight. Oh, they made me do that at Sportsnet a few times. They yeah, that's great. It, they would make, but they would do more of a comedy thing. Do yeah. you remember a while ago with the jo- the horse jockeys uh-huh. that when they were fighting? I literally, it was so funny, was breaking it down in analytical form so the get or the host would look at me like, "Okay, dude, you're you're too serious, right?" But that was the rule I was playing. So yeah, I we were going to do a serious hockey fight feature almost every night or weekly where I would break down hockey fights uh, anytime they happened uh, on the ice. But sorry, go ahead. His throw of the helmet was Jake Shields' level of bad. Yeah, that was terrible. It was, it was real bad. It looked like he was going. He was aiming for him, and then it went like forty-five degrees east. Poor release point. Poor release point. <laughs> Last year, I actually edited a video. You know the do you know the wrestler, a pro wrestler, Dave Batista. Yes, he's in Guardians of the Galaxy. There was this hilarious bit of commentary where Booker T was feuding with him and. Batista gets put through a table, and uh, Booker T just kept going, Batista's down! Batista's down! Batista's down! So last year, when Odor punched Jose Batista in the face, I edited the commentary to where the table crashes is Jose Batista getting punched in the face, and Booker T repeatedly screams, Batista's down! <laughs> Did you see Odor embarrass himself uh, in the in the game? Uh, I think two or three games ago. I didn't. 
he basically, uh, I don't know if he hit a single or he hit something and didn't even make it to first base. He just completely wipes out on the saw, line. Saw the Jays embarrass the Reds last night. Wasn't happy about that. My, That's what I, happens I, when your number five AAA starter is starting in the major leagues. I didn't want to tell you. I didn't want to say it. We almost went a full show without me bringing up that game. You did it. Oh, well, let's get, let's get the hell off the show. Go ahead. I mean, there's uh, for those that don't know, uh, I'll have a video posted in two days. It'll be another one of Showdown Joe's rants. I don't know what it's going to be about between now and 48 hours or at least 24 hours. Who knows what's going to happen in the mixed martial arts world? There are people asking for comments right now about George St. Pierre. Uh, that might make it to the uh, rant. Uh, and then, of course, Friday, my Fun Bets article, where I t- I, we, we retake a look at some of the stuff here. I'll go into more props. Uh, if you like putting money down on mixed martial arts or the UFC specific, I'll find you some value. Uh, we may have to get a tally soon uh, on some of the amount of money people can make with some of the articles. Uh, if you're a sponsor out there, you want a book, call me. Call me. I'll drive money your way. There's people that want to bet on MMA. There's a lot of yeah. people that bet on MMA. I see it firsthand when I was in Vegas at the MGM. All the time, people dropping we money. Can so get these lines and say the five dimes betting odds. I'm not going to use names anymore. Whenever I give these, they got to pay for that. They got to pay. That's for what that. I'm saying. If you notice, that's why I didn't say it at hey, all. Okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah, no, but at the same time, yeah, so I've got that, I've got the article, uh, and then of course Sean and I will be live uh, at like, what, four in the morning? No, I'm kidding. One o'clock in the morning, uh, Saturday evening, after the UFC event uh, has concluded. As I always say, you check out my timeline, at Showdown Joe, we usually go live the minute that last interview is done. It takes me the time from getting downstairs to this computer, to clicking on, to clicking start broadcast. So whatever that time frame is, Sean and I will probably be exhausted. Minutes we'll, after. We'll, I'll be yeah. at a wedding through most of the show, so I'll have to catch up. But, uh, yeah, people want us to talk about Gokan Saki's bad MMA logic, GSP saying he'd retire if he loses his comeback fight. We'll get to those. We're going to have some articles up on those, and we will definitely get to those. Gokan Saki is a fool if he thinks he doesn't have to train wrestling work. But we are right here after UFC 212. Come hang out in our live discussion, too. I want to see those be more active. I want to see you all uh, talking to us during that. Uh, Carlos Toro will be tweeting during the show from the Fightful MMA account. Of course, follow us. Register at Fightful.com. Use those forums. I love how much you all have been using them. MMA, pro wrestling, boxing, all forms of entertainment. Guys, until next time, we are out. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.